This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. While a variety of reports are focused on another potential case of a family member of someone in Congress buying a significant lot of stock and whether that family member may have received any information in doing so, the focus this time around is on the husband of House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, who apparently in June bought 20,000 shares in chip company NVIDIA. Of course, Congress right now is trying to approve subsidies for chip manufacturers that would help make it easier to build out production here in the U.S. Therefore, an investment by Paul Pelosi could net him and potentially his wife tens of millions of dollars. But it again focuses the light around potential insider trading and potential violation of the Stock Act. Pleasure to be joined once again by Dan Taylor, accounting professor at the Wharton School. Dan, great to talk to you again. Great to be here, Dan. Thanks a lot. Thank you. And so let's start for those people that aren't aware. Let's review what the Stock Act is and kind of the parameters it has set up until now. So the Stock Act basically says that uh, Congress, Senate and the House can't trade on the basis of material non-public information that they obtain um, from their job, from their job as as um, Congress, and they have to disclose their trades within a certain number of days publicly uh, on Senate and House websites, and it's those websites that are closely monitored by various media accounts um, to disseminate information about the trades of Congress and Senate. And so, if somebody is deemed to have uh, broken those rules, I guess the penalties there there are penalties there, but they haven't been very stringent up until this point. Well, it's not been tested. So there okay. have been uh, some penalties or some cases where the disclosure failed. So someone disclosed later, didn't disclose in a timely manner, and there have been sort of like slaps on the wrist for that. Right. But there has not been any enforcement by DOJ or SEC for violation of insider trading laws um, using information that the senator or congressperson obtained from there. And, and and so then family members are, are not beholden to this right now as well, correct? Well, I mean, family members are, are beholden to our normal, right, <laughs> normal right. insider uh, trading laws that say, you know, thou shalt not um, misappropriate information and use it for, for personal gain. Um, so, I, I mean, it's, it's really fascinating from an academic perspective, because here you have this rule, the Stock Act, that says, you know, you can't trade on MNPI, material non-public information, um, based on what you learn from your duties in Congress. But yet there, you know, there's always these repeated uh, instances in the popular press that claim just that. And the Stock Act hasn't been enforced. So it's an interesting question what the value of a rule is if there's never been any enforcement. Again, you know, enforcement so but because there are the the, the uh, rules in place just in general is there a need potentially to address the issue of family members of members of congress yeah so there have been um there have been additional bills put forth by various um people on both sides of the aisle republicans and democrats to simply ban trading in individual stocks and many of those bills would also apply to family members. Uh, some of those bills would also apply to cryptocurrencies beyond, uh, beyond equity. Uh, and so I think really the issue is, is like if nothing is going on, then why are we trading in individual stocks? You know, it, even if there's nothing illicit happening in the Pelosi case, 
why raise the specter that it could be happening, right? Is the profit that someone would make from trading NVIDIA without any material non-public information worth the, uh, you know, the headache that's created by the media firestorm? And so the fact that Congress and the Senate isn't willing to just say, all right, we're not going to trade anymore, to me, I think is an indictment that something is actually going on. Because if you weren't trading on material non-public information, or if your trades were not influencing your policy decisions, then why not just ban trading? It, right. would, it would seem that then the, the role of the DOJ then, I think, comes into play here in terms of the fact that there are rules in place, but whether or not the, the Department of Justice needs to you know, kind of put some teeth behind those rules now. Well, that's an interesting point is, you know, this is why I'm sort of interested in it from an academic perspective. It's like, what's the value of a rule if the rule is never enforced? Um, and so, you know, looking out broadly, zooming back from Congress, we are at a three decades or four decades back to the 80s, four decades low in insider trading enforcement by the SEC and the DOJ. So if you look at the SEC's insider trading enforcement cases, they're back to like the Carter and Reagan era. So either people are getting more honest over time <laughs> or we have an, an enforcement black hole. And, you know, for whatever reason, our enforcement agencies don't seem to be as interested in prosecuting, prosecuting those cases. And I think if I have, you I have a view on that and I don't yeah. think it's the honest one, <laughs> I, I, I was going to say, I think if you did a poll of the American public, it would be pretty safe to say what side of, of the two sides of the two options here that the American public would fall on. No, I, I think that's right. I think that's right. And in fairness to our uh, to our enforcement agencies, the law on insider trading has gotten more difficult for them to bring these cases. Right. You know, I've been on the podcast, uh, you know, many times and and I've been on you know your program many times. And it's really remarkable that there is no law against insider trading. Right. And so if we had a law that said this is what insider trading is, you can't do it. It would make our enforcement agencies jobs much easier. But right now, it's only based on case law. So they say, what's been done in the past? Can I fit what's happened now into the past? That's one reason why I suspect we haven't seen any prosecutions for Senate and House uh, members trading because it's never been done before. And so there's no blueprint or template that a prosecutor would have to follow uh, for doing it. I, I guess the larger question then is just not necessarily with, with this case, but where we are in our country right now and how Wall Street is working at this point, uh, you know, what the state of, of that action is of insider trading here in the United States in general. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, you, you draw a good link between what's happening in sort of the white collar crime and white collar defense and our political environment. I mean, you know, you can point to surveys that basically show that people have lost faith in our government institutions and believe that there's two sets of laws, one for the wealthy and powerful and one for the for that aren't wealthy and powerful. And you see that playing out in enforcements, right? So there's the Elon Musk thing that's going on and, and SEC either passing over enforcement of Elon or not passing over enforcement of Elon. Whereas there's lots of insider trading cases, comparatively speaking, in terms of percentages of insider trading cases, they tend to be against retail investors for you know less than $250,000 in, in, in illicit profit. And I don't think our regulatory agencies quite appreciate that that feeling that 
the regulatory agencies aren't going after the big fish and instead are focusing on the small fish feeds into the political narrative, right? This notion of drain the swamp and they're all crooks and, and corrupt, throw them out. And we wouldn't really have that if there was sort of aggressive, aggressive enforcement. Um, and so I, you know, it's, it's interesting because there doesn't seem to be a way for the public to vent their dissatisfaction with existing sort of like legal statutes and enforcement other than by voting. And even that hasn't been particularly effective of late. I think the only other option is to have a few whistleblowers come into the mix on this. And, and really, that might be the only reason, only way to do this. Well, I mean, even with whistleblowers, I, I am, you know, I am somewhat skeptical not to be Mr. Pessimist today. Yeah. But that still relies on a, our enforcement agencies taking those whistleblowing tips and saying, you know what, we are OK setting precedent, even though no one is, uh, has charged uh, the senator of the House with information that they obtained on the job, we're going to be the first one to do it. And that, that is really a high bar. There have been instances in which senators have been charged with trading on material non-public information. Chris Collins from New Jersey is an example. But he obtained that information outside of the job. So it was someone, you know, this classic tipper tippy where someone tipped him that this company was going to be doing this. And then he bought, 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 bought before the information uh, eventually came out. So I think it's probably more promising that the SEC and the DOJ would be able to go after these individuals for trading on information, you know, in a classic sense, as opposed to sort of this novel, you know, information that you obtained, um, you know, by virtue of your position. But the other thing I just want to mention this for your listeners, it hasn't been talked about as much is we're talking about a situation in which, you know, the congressmen and the senators know a particular outcome of a vote, and then they trade in advance of that outcome being public. The more insidious one is, well, what if they own, in their personal portfolio, they own lots of green energy stocks, or they own lots of chip manufacturers? That can actually skew how they will vote, right? And that's going to affect policy. So there's one thing of, are you using your knowledge of policy to sort of skim some money from from other shareholders and from other investors. Right. There's another one is, are you using your personal financial interests to actually change the policy in Washington? And that's even more dangerous. I would and, say. And, that and that would really go to the, the assignments that these different senators and representatives are in terms of the, uh, uh, the different uh, uh, councils that they're on in terms of you know, talking with uh, these different sectors. Yeah, so what's interesting is there are some websites, I think Unusual Wales is one, um, where they actually break out the trading by committee. Like, are you on the Armed yeah. Services Committee? And yeah. apparently, I, you know, don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure when I went to Unusual Wales, the Armed Services Committee was like number one for trading. Right, right. right? And you have to wonder, like, what's going on there? Are they privy to government contracts? You know, like, what are they, like, why, why that, why that committee? And again, yeah. if nothing, if there's nothing untoward going on, why don't we stop the trading? Yeah. yeah. Right. And so the fact that people push back and say, no, no, we want to be able to trade. We want to be able to trade. To me, that suggests that they're going against their constituents. There's polling that shows the overwhelming majority of Americans don't want our representatives trading. But yet, you know, it hasn't been brought hasn't been brought to a vote. Uh, so I, I await the day when this becomes a campaign issue. You know, when an opponent takes the trades and actually splashes them across in an ad 
basically saying, look, there's this individual that I'm running against that is basically day trading. Um, but, you know, it hasn't yeah. gotten to that point yet. Yeah, great to, to talk with yeah, Dan, great to talk with you. Thanks for a few moments today. Yep. Take care, Dan. Pleasure to be on. You got it. Dan Taylor, accounting professor here at the Wharton School. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.